0: Father God, thank you for this grace that you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Lord, thank you for all your grace and your mercy. And Lord, thank you for these lives that are being dedicated and shown their love and their obedience to Christ today. Lord, I pray that You'd be with Matt and his message that he brings. And you would also put a hedge protection around this church. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us understand your word. And that if anyone does not know who Christ is, today that changes. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I don't have question. I want to say thank you. Because you came, I heard the gospel, and God saved me and my family, and through us, many others.
0: I was blown away when this brother from Central Asia stood at the SBC meeting in June after I gave our report to just say thank you for how IMB missionaries have reached his people. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that. And his story has resonated with so many people, been shared, talked about in churches, on the internet, because his story and so many others like it. This is what the IMB is all about. We partner with Southern Baptist Churches to empower limitless missionary teams who are making disciples, multiplying churches among unreached people and unreached places for the glory of God. You think about Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, Cooperative Program, together Southern Baptist Churches have given over 250 million dollars this last year to fund mission efforts around the world and as a result of that giving, over 87,000 people have professed faith in Christ for the first time. Over 4,500 churches have started in places where churches have not been before as a result of our partnership together. Southern Baptists are generous. We regularly hear stories of their commitment individually and as churches to give sacrificially. I think about Madeline Ray who wrote me a letter this year wanting to use her wish from the Make-A-Wish Foundation to fund work among unreached people. In this letter she said, I just want to be a part of getting the gospel to those who have never heard it. She said, I determine that making a donation to the IMB for unreached people would be an eternally effective way to use my wish. Now her single wish will echo into eternity as unreached people hear the gospel for the first time as a result of her generosity. Because of that sort of generous giving, IMB is once again on firm financial ground This year we are poised to begin sending more and more missionaries in the coming days and I'm convinced our churches are ready to do that. Already this year we sent out 193 new missionaries with still more to come. I think about one such missionary, Abuk. She fled from her home country of South Sudan with her family when she was young. They landed in Amarillo, Texas. And God and His sovereignty connected them with First Baptist Church there, and that church is now sending her out on mission in partnership with the IMB. It is an awesome scene when the mission field becomes a mission force. That is what is happening through our cooperative work together among unreached peoples and places around the world. Thank you for the opportunity to partner together with you in this eternally important work. Thank you for praying, for giving, for sending people with the gospel to those who have never heard the gospel. Let's keep doing this work together so that God's fame will be made known among people who have never heard the name of Jesus.
1: Good morning. If you got a Bible, please take it and turn to John chapter 20 verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, actually verse 19, John chapter 20, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, you're in luck. It'll be on the screen for you just in a second. Hope you're doing well. And I just want you to know something, that Jesus is a big deal, the biggest of the big deals. And, and I, I want to impress upon us that how big of a deal he is, because I have so many of my friends that are, have left their homes and family and are and those people that we've seen on this video. They have gone to other parts of the world, I have friends in Madagascar who this morning are worshiping in Madagascar, and it's not like the cool movie, okay, with like the talking, you know, lion and and stuff. I mean, they've had parasites since they've been there. I got a a message from a friend of mine in West Africa who is sending us. He has our church on his mind this, this week He's sending us a thank you video for our participation in Lottie Moon Christmas Offering last year. And next week, we're going to give to Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, which is an offering that goes directly to make the name of Jesus known. And he sent me a message from West Africa, which is so cool that we can communicate from West Africa via Facebook, okay? And so he sent me a message, said, Hey, what do you guys want to be called? Do you want to be The Journey, Journey Church, Journey Whatever? And I said, Call us whatever you want. Just send us the video. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to get to see from our, my friends and our friends and our missionaries in West Africa who are making a big deal about Jesus. They're going to be thanking us for partnering with them to make Jesus known. It's so amazing. And Jesus is, the, is a huge deal. And this morning, I want to take us and I want to show something to you. In John chapter 20, verse 19, I want us to walk through this story. After Jesus' resurrection, he appears to his disciples several times, but this is one particular instance. John 20, verse 19, says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews. And Jesus came, and he stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. So I want you to just follow along. A lot of times we read the Bible, and it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, it's that time of year for the Charlie Brown Brown Christmas special, and you know the adults in Charlie Brown sound like wah, 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 wah. And sometimes when you get to it and you approach the Bible, it just sounds like "Wah, wah, 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 wah. But if you take a moment just to hear this story and hear this narrative, what's happened is Jesus has been crucified. He was taken by a mob, an unruly mob of religious people, and he was crucified. He was crucified because he was the Messiah and they could not handle it. And so they crucified him. So he suffered a criminal's death that he did not deserve. And he died on the cross in a horrible way. And in so doing, he was fulfilling God's will that Jesus would be that once for all, one time sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God, the holy God come and made flesh. Jesus lived a life we couldn't live, a perfect life, and he died on the behalf of those who would believe in him so he might bear sin and provide forgiveness. And so he is crucified. It grew dark on the day he was crucified. And then he was laid in a borrowed tomb. 3 days later his heart beat again and he rose again. And he appeared to many disciples and this is one of the pictures and so his disciples are in fear because this mob has just killed their leader. Now they've seen him resurrected, but they're still afraid. And so they got the door locked. And the Bible's pretty pretty clear. They're like they're they're really freaking out. Have you ever do you remember those old car commercials? Protected by Viper. Do you remember those? Like you'd have like the car alarm and you'd, you'd click it and on the show there's like, you know, some shady looking character going towards the car, right? And what happens? The, the computer generated snake would come out and bite the guy, which when I was a kid, I was like, how do they get the snake to stay alive in the car? You know, I was like, I was thinking, that would be a pretty good theft deterrent system if a venomous snake came out and would attack you and kill you if you tried to steal somebody's car. And you wanted to think about that. Why do you put alarm systems on those things? Because we are worried about our own personal safety and the safety of those things that are ours. So we get to this point where the disciples, if we follow the text, it's the evening on the first day and they are behind locked doors because they're worried that what happened to Jesus and his crucifixion and and murder would happen to them. Then who shows up? The resurrected Jesus, who shows his power because he enters a locked room without having the door to be unlocked. And so we see in this, he says to them, peace be with you, which was probably necessary because they were flipping out. I mean, you can understand that, right? Right? You've, have you ever been startled by somebody that's supposed to be in your house? Okay? you imagine how much more startling it would be if the doors are locked to keep people out and someone's there and it's risen Jesus and he says, peace be with you. And it's actually, it's shalom. It's, I want you to be at peace. And Jesus, it's interesting, he says this twice. He says, be at peace. Don't worry. They're afraid for their lives. And he says, just be at peace. And he is actually the only one who could offer them peace in a world gone crazy. And so we pick up in verse 20, he says, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So how, why do they go from being startled, obviously he has to say, peace be with you, to this place we are, where they are calm. It has to do with him showing his hands and his side to them. We are We don't like to get real about our lives and our sin. We like to pass it along as nobody's perfect. You ever said that before? If you're married, I guarantee you you've said it, okay? Nobody's perfect. Never done that where you're talking about sin in a way where you say it was just a white lie. It was just the circumstances that caused me to do this. It was just this. I want I want us to be very clear. It is the schemes of our enemy, the devil, and it is the way our flesh works as we try to explain away our sin and our, our wrongdoing against God as something lesser than what it is. But it obviously, sin is a big deal because if it was not, Jesus would not have had to come. If there was another way for sin to be dealt with, don't you think... That God would have found another way to deal with it other than crushing his own son. If there was another way for sins to be atoned for, for forgiveness to be taken care for, to, to happen in someone's lives, for, for those deeds that we've done to be taken care of and washed away so we could be right with God, don't you think if there was another way that God would have spared his own son, the Holy One? Of course he would have. But there was no other way. And so Christ showed those wounds which bled. He would have been crucified. The hand in in this particular language, in the Greek language, could be anywhere from about your elbow down. And most likely Jesus was crucified between the two bones in his arm right here. And they would have nailed a giant nail through that area to pin him to the cross. Then it would have laid his feet one on top of the other and nailed through the joint, uh, the ankle joint, right into the cross. And he was raised up, and he was hung there to die. Not only that, we know at the end, to make sure he was dead, because he died so quickly, and most of the time people lingered on that Roman cross, first, so that's why it was so agonizing. They wanted to make sure he was dead, so they took a spear And they pierced his side, and the spear went through his side. And judging by the fact that water and blood flowed flowed from the wound, it was evidence that that they probably punctured his heart as they stabbed him underneath his ribcage. And he shows, he's the resurrected Jesus. He shows up in a locked room. They're spazzing out, and he says, peace be with you. And how does he bring peace? He shows them the wounds. This is who I am, and I have died, and I am risen, and that is your way to peace. And what happens? Verse 20, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And what does he say again? Jesus said to them again, and this is important. When something is repeated, it's important. It's like when you tell your kids, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. You say it over and over again to emphasize the fact that it's important that you clean your room, and if you don't, I might dropkick you, okay? And so here's, here's what we need to get is that, that when the Bible repeats itself, it's like if you don't get this, you need to get dropkicked, okay? Peace be with you. Jesus showed the wounds and said, here is peace. I can bring peace because of the wounds which I suffered. And so he says, peace be with you. And then he gives his dis- gathered disciples of the church. And here's where we've been. We've been in a series which we followed the I Am Statements of Jesus in John's Gospel. We've shown who Jesus is, that he is God in the flesh, that he is glorious, that he is worthy of all praise, that he's the good shepherd, he's divine, he is the source of all spiritual life, he is the source of spiritual life, he can raise the dead, he raised Lazarus, he's the resurrection of life. We've shown who Jesus was, and we've looked at it in the Gospels. And then from that, we've been in a series talking about who the church is, the people of God, who they are. And we've looked at the purposes of the church, we've looked at w- what the church is about. And Jesus right here is going to his these gathered disciples, those who would constitute the beginnings of the church. He's going to give them and tell them something in verse 21 that is, that is one of the major purposes of a gathered group of Christians, a church. And here it is. Peace be with you. Peace through my wounds. I'm at the center of this. Here is what I want you to do, church. As the Father has sent me, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Last words Jesus would say earthly to his disciples was, listen, the Father sent me. And we celebrate Jesus being sent at this time of year, Christmas time, right? Christmas time is here. You sing the manger scenes. You sing the frosty songs. You do all those types of things. The reason Christians celebrate Christmas is to to talk about God the, God the Father sending the Son, and he does it in a weird way. He does it through a virgin birth that makes a scandal happen because Mary's like, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Joseph's like, sure you are. That's how that happens, Yeah and scandal arises, but the angel comes and gives peace to both of them. Remember before Mary's pregnant, the angel said, you're going to have a child by the Holy Spirit. She's like, what? Okay, that's, that's my paraphrase of what happened, okay? And then you get to the next part. Joseph's like, I can't believe she cheated on me because he ain't buying the, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Okay, he ain't buying that, okay? He's like, I'm betrothed to her. What is going to happen and what happens? The angel of the Lord appears and says, like, chill, dude, marry her the Holy Spirit. And he's like, all right, this is my version of this again, okay? The Bible says it better. And what happens? That's God. And then where, where is he born? Where does God enter into a human body? Where is he, where, when he is birthed, is he in a, in a hospital? It's in a, it's in a hole in the ground. That's what probably their barns were. We get a very idyllic situation. This is first century Palestine in the Middle East and it stinks. They're stinking animals, and it was probably a hole in the ground. And God left the riches of heaven in the person of Christ, and he comes, and he's born in a manger, and they lay him in a feeding trough, and he cries, and as his, as that breath enters his lungs and is expelled in a cry, we know that is God in the flesh, and he showed himself to be God in the flesh through miraculous works, through all these things, and so here's the thing. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life on a mission to buy back and pay for sin so that all who would believe would be raised with Jesus and have spiritual life and have ultimate, eternal life. And that's the mission that God the Father sent the Son to do. And it's very important that in verse 21 you hear this. As the Father sent me, Even so, I am sending you. So just get this for a second. The church's mission is to take the good news of Jesus on, and it's a continuation of Jesus' ministry. Just think about that for a minute. That what a church does is when they're functioning properly, is to continue the mission of Jesus. He says, listen, I've done this. Tag, you go do this. Go complete. Take the mission. Take the good word. And so here's one of the things. We've looked at this. A church... It has three purposes, main purposes. And number one is to worship God. And why do we worship God? Because Jesus, his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we have forgiveness of sins. By his wound and faith in his finished work, we have eternal life. Jesus is at the center, and we, he deserves all of our worship. All of our lives should be pointed to him. Our corporate worship should be directed at him. The church is there to worship him because he is the best, the highest, the greatest. He's the biggest deal of big deals. That is who Jesus is. And then uh, secondly, a church is a place where we minister to one another and we equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. God has given us, pro- given us pastor teachers to equip those saints to do the work of the ministry. And it's a place of nurture in which we work together and we, we, we minister to one another to, for us to grow in maturity of faith. And then finally, the purpose of the church is so we worship, we nurture, and we go out and we tell people and implore them and love them and show, give, show mercy to them in, in the hopes as we preach the gospel, they might believe and know and know the forgiveness and the new life that is in Jesus. And our big, we are there to make him known, to send, to go out, to finish the work, to make, pe- make sure that every person on the face of planet Earth has heard the name of Jesus. And he's the biggest of big deals because he is crucified, he is risen, he is reigning, and you need him more than you know. He's the biggest deal. And we are sent to make him known what our church exists for, is to make Jesus known throughout the world. Really? The whole world from Hartsville, Tennessee. Hartsville? I mean, you ever try to tell somebody who doesn't know the area where Hartsville is? What do you usually say? It's Nashville, okay? Which we're not close to Nashville, really, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's not too far away, and if you need something, you go to, you start at 11 and they don't have it there. <laughs> you go to Mount Juliet or, you know, wherever you're from. And then before you know it, if you really need it, you're into Nashville, right? Because they have stuff, okay? And we don't. Yes, we do. We have a Piglet Wiggly. Yes, we have a Piglet Wiggly. God bless it, okay? But <laughs> we don't got a lot, okay? People aren't coming here on vacation, all right? There's no roller coaster. And if one beard here, I wouldn't ride it. Okay, I don't know, that would be dangerous. The world from Hartsville, Tennessee. Well, I just mentioned we have a message, and somebody who is a missionary in Africa who we support is sending us a message this week. We are giving to make it possible that they can make him known And not only that, we're supporting through our association and hopefully further. There's a missionary in Boulder, Colorado by the name of Parker Manuel, who right now is working to plant a church there amongst some of the most unreached people in the entire world. They have less Christians in Boulder than they do in Tibet. Boulder, Colorado. And he's there, going to plant a church, and we get to partner with him. We get to pray for him. He—he is one. We—the monies that we give are going to help support him. We are making Jesus known, and we have way more to do to make Jesus known in Hartsville and the world. God can use something small and insignificant, like a church that meets in an old theater connected to an old hotel in Hartsville, Tennessee. Where is that? Only we know because we're here. To, to impact the nations. That's why we're here. That is, that is what we are here for, is to worship God, to equip the saints to the work of the ministry, to, do, to minister to one another, to grow each other up, and then to make Jesus known because he is the biggest deal because there is no way for sins to be forgiven and you to be right with God apart from him. None. You can't be good enough. You can't clean yourself up your good deeds can't wash away your bad ones we're all hopelessly lost and separated and dead in our transgressions but in Christ he died and and is risen that we might live by faith in Christ and we get to continue and it just just don't feel you just don't feel worthy and we're not but we're called just we continuing the ministry of this great Jesus, the risen one, to continue it forward. Oh, what big shoes to fill. I got to preach that There was a guy, he's not real well known, not a great dresser. He has a suit that he bought in 1980 and still wears it. His name is Randy Kuhn, one of my heroes of the faith. And he's just been pastoring little churches in South Alabama and Florida, for a long time you just look at the guy just not he's not slick not hip but he has faithfully preached the gospel for so long and in a time when i when when i was kind of in a wilderness period he said matt i want you to come and i want to help you out i want you to preach at my church and i was like oh this is amazing I couldn't believe that he was going to let me preach at his church and stand where he preaches. I just felt like a huge honor. Maybe nobody else would have felt that. But I felt it being huge because this guy had been a mentor to me. And I've heard some of the sermons he preached. And I was like, man, I feel very intimidated and honored at the same time to step up there where he stands. And and where his people could be hearing him preach, they're going to be hearing me preach. And I was like, I just don't. I had I don't deserve this honor. I I took it as a a huge highlight of my life to get to do that several years ago, and that's just small potatoes compared to this. That the church's job is to continue on the ministry of Jesus. He says, "As the Father sent me, I am sending you." Oh, what a great responsibility, but also what a great honor to step into this, to make Jesus known, the crucified one, the risen one, God in the flesh come to save sinners. And then it goes on in verse 22, and it says this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them, which is weird. I understand that. He went, okay. It's symbolic, but it's weird. If I went up to one of you today and I was like, hey, wind was blowing real hard last night in your face, that would be weird. If you didn't think it was weird, we might have another problem you need to deal with, okay? But Jesus says, and when when he said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And this is symbolic of what's going to happen. Several days later on the day of Pentecost, we'll be seeing Acts chapter 1, in which the Holy Spirit descends. uh, It descends on the disciples, and that's the Third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit, and He comes and He empowers the people of God to continue on the the ministry of Jesus. And I want to tell you a word of this. Today, we get the opportunity to baptize two people. And a lot of people don't understand baptism. Now, thankful the two candidates here that are coming to be baptized, they, they get it. But many people don't. And a lot of people think that baptism is equated to being saved or to being new or to being forgiven. No, it's a sign and a symbol of the fact that we have been forgiven through the work of Jesus. Because the, the water represents his death, burial, and resurrection. And we are saying now that we have trusted in, in, in Jesus in such a way that his death, burial, and resurrection by faith is now applied to us and we're right with God that way. I want you to get this idea. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Another section in John chapter 3, which is in the same book, we know this, that the Spirit moves and makes people alive as the Word of God is preached. Now, it's the same passage in John 3 where we get, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Well, here's how everlasting life comes to us. The Word is preached, which means the good news of Jesus is told to somebody from the Bible, the Word of God. And here's what happens. It's not through the eloquence of the speaker. Praise God. It's not through the passion in which it's delivered. It's not through logic or cunning. It is the Spirit of God that makes people alive and even gives them the gift of faith. It's his work. That's why he said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you, receive the Spirit, you're going to be empowered so that when you preach my name, it's not how great you can do it because you can't convince anyone to trust me. It's against their natural nature, which is towards sin. But I will send my Spirit as you preach and then my Spirit will be in you to empower you and will go out and will change you. And so what we have here is that that baptism is a sign that you have been made alive by the Spirit of God there we can't tell that i wish there was like a a, a button like a turkey you know when a turkey's done the button pops out if you got one of those do you know what i'm talking about everybody like crazy you remember we had just had thanksgiving okay i know we forget thanksgiving because christmas but you remember you got turkeys right you've seen the turkey right maybe nobody if anybody eaten a turkey recently okay not the whole thing okay thank you i appreciate that and when the turkey's done what happens it, it pops the button pops out you know like the turkey's done don't have to say it that way. (laughs) The turkey's done. I don't know why. The turkey's done. It pops out. It would be amazing if we could say, because people, just because you profess faith doesn't mean you possess faith. I can say anything. doesn't mean I am that. I'm a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) That make me a chicken? Act like one? No. Silly. I'm a Christian. Well, has your life changed in any way? No. Are you trusting in Christ at every hour? No. You read your Bible? No. You pray? No. Sometimes I come to church every now and then. You say that, but you don't do that. That might make it not so. And all I'm saying is this: there is no there's no button that pops up and says Christian alive. If it was, we'd find where that button is and we'd be checking people out. We'll see that. Get a little obtrusive there. What happens? There's evidence of new life in their life. Things that once they you didn't care about. Now you do. You used to, you used to think how can I get through this church service so I can leave? How how can I just run for the hills? And all of a sudden, you just go. Now, how do I how how do I hear the word and I apply it to my life? And you have a taste for things you didn't have before. And it's the work of the Spirit where He makes you alive. And I want to know. I want to tell you something. Those who have experienced the new birth and the change that takes place. It's almost indescribable what God does in a person's life. Perfection is not, it's not what happens, but new life happens. And I want to call you to at least, if you're here today and you are not a believer, I want to call you and just turn your attention that, that, that there is something more out there. That there is a new life in Christ. And I want you to, I call you to at least investigate that. As the Father sent me, in verse 21, even so I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from them, it is withheld. Now that is a striking sentence and it 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 is if we understand it one way i think actually the english language this is the you know the bible's translated from from greek in, into english okay in this particular case in the version we're reading and sometimes the sentences don't translate well okay like i told a joke one time in spanish that got me almost sent to the principal's office when i was in high school i asked somebody this is not a great joke. This is what it is. I asked somebody, what are you eating under there? In English, and they would say underwear, and you're like, ha, <laughs> you said you're eating underwear. <laughs> it's a play on words. Bad joke in English. But I learned it in Spanish. Translated it directly because of Google. Okay? And I told this in a Spanish class to our Spanish substitute who was from Mexico. And it basically, <laughs> it's a play on words in English. It's not a play on words in Spanish. And so I told her she was eating underwear, and she got livid. I was like, it's a joke. She's like, you know, she was speaking Spanish. I mean, I didn't get it. She was so mad. I mean, You know, she was like, death, okay? Um, she was yelling at me, and I was like, oh, my God. I almost got sent to the principal's office. I was like, no, he's trying to tell a joke. He wasn't trying to tell you to eat underwear. I mean, I don't know why she got so upset, but she did, man. And it just, it was lost in translation a little bit, and I think what we have here is a little lost in translation. And I think if we look at other places, the only one who can forgive sins is God, and or God in Christ, who is the second person to the Trinity. Right? So he's not saying that the church can forgive sins. Given the way it's constructed, it's more like this. If the church recognizes you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. And if the church, the collected group of people, recognizes you haven't been forgiven, you haven't been forgiven. And what does that really get to the point of? The church's responsibility is to, when somebody approaches them and say they have, they possess faith in Christ, our job as elders and as a church is to look and to see if there's fruit or evidence of that, difference in their life. And then, if we see that, to invite them into the fellowship of the forgiven. And that's exactly what we'll be doing this morning through baptism. The church helps, because there is no turkey popper that shows if a person has new life and has been forgiven of their sins, the church helps people recognize and helps affirm those people who've said they possess faith that shows that they actually do and is a way into the believing community and a way that we can say, look, their sins have been forgiven. It's evident by their life. And look over here. They don't profess the same things. Look, it's evident their sins haven't been forgiven. So baptism is this great time where we say together, yes, we see the fruits. We see the changed life. And now we welcome into this fellowship, this fellowship that exists to worship God, worship Christ, that exists to call one another on and spur one another on and to equip one another to do the works of ministry, and then to all this, all the while, looking outside of ourselves to make Jesus known and to take him everywhere because he is the biggest deal. That's why we exist to worship Him, to grow one another, and to make Him known. And it's these times when we get together, Sunday mornings, when we celebrate baptism, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that we remember what we're supposed to do. I've gotten to this place, I'm very scatterbrained, I forget things all the time, I lose my shoes regularly and have to walk around the house for 10 minutes looking for my shoe. And while I'm walking around looking for my shoe that I've lost, I usually forget what I'm doing and start doing something else and have one shoe on and one shoe off. This is a problem. My wife told me because she works with special ed children. She's like, you're probably (laughs) need some Ritalin or something bad. It helps when I talk to people because I can just, you know, Free association, things just kind of come together. Okay, it's always a wild conversation, but it's really harmful in your life. When I show up in places, and I was like, "What was I doing?" We'll I'll, we'll go in stores. We were trying to do some Christmas shopping the other night because our little boy was with Nana and Pop Pop, and and so I was. We're walk, I walked into Walgreens, and I was like, "What are we doing at Walgreens?" I was like, "Gift cards." Oh uh, yeah. You ever do that? You ever wake up? In the middle of you wake up in the morning, you're like, What was I supposed to do today? I wake up like that all day. And I'm like, What am I doing? I have a list by my computer that tells me what I'm supposed to be doing that day. It's a real problem. I need to probably get help. Oh, my life is amen down there. You heard I don't know if you heard that. I want to make sure you got that amplified. But when we come together as the church, And we hear the word of God and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is a symbol, and we celebrate baptism, we do these things, you know what it does? It reminds our distracted selves of what's most important. Just because you might not think about it all day long doesn't mean it's not important. This is a reminder and a reset for us that we need to make this the biggest deal, and it is the biggest deal. And so I call us away from distraction, and I call us yet again to remember why we are here. That's the message for believers. The message for those who have not believed yet is this. Come. Come. Jesus. You can't take care of your sins on your own. God proved it when he crucified his son. You need someone as your substitute to bear your sin and your shame and to make you alive again. He has finished. He's accomplished it in his death, burial, resurrection. He has accomplished everything you need life and godliness and i call you it's not a call to be better it's a call to trust christ turn from your sins trust jesus and all who call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and and here's how we do it here that's you and you want to talk about it more come talk to an elder we'll be down here at the front myself tom kevin Jot a little card down if you want to talk about it now. Hand it to us with your phone number on it. We'll be glad to talk to you about what it means to know Christ. And really is this. Turn from your sins. Renounce them. Turn from them. And put all your faith in Christ. We're going to pray. And then we're going to celebrate baptism and what God has done. Let's pray. Father, you're good to us. We're thankful for all that you've done and all that you will do. We're thankful that you've called us and you've commissioned us that as the Father sent you, you're sending us and our work is to do your work, which is just an amazing honor to make you known, God. And we pray that there would be many here who would give their lives to you in salvation, and also those who would give their life in discipleship, that they would follow you and make much of you and try to make you known in every part of their lives, God. Help us be a church that are about the right purposes, that we're here for worship, for nurture, and for evangelism and making the gospel known. God, thank you so much for today and these that are coming for baptism. We pray that you would be glorified in everything that we've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Miss Jessie, come on up here, guys. This is Jesse Stafford. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory here, and listen, it's really hard to stand up in front of uh, in front of everybody. Okay, so it's it's it's. I'm glad that 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 she had the guts to do this as well. And so, what happened? Can I give you a backstory of what's going on with Jesse? Um, as we began to talk, and we talked, uh, probably about three, four weeks ago, we started talking about this. She grew up in a home where she went to church every now and then, but she did not understand the significance of church or understand the gospel completely. Over the course of the last three, four, five months even, the, the Lord has been working on her, and she's gotten to a place where she has trusted Christ, turned from her sins, trusted Christ, and now she feels in the overwhelming urge to follow Jesus in baptism. To show, that her, to show her faith outwardly. And she is, and this is great, a great thing we talked about. This is a commitment to follow Jesus for the rest of her life, and it's a proclamation. So she is preaching to you this morning, saying, I have trusted Christ. So, Jesse, did I tell that story right? Is that your testimony? She said yes. Or she nodded. That was a yes. Is it your desire in front of everyone here today to f- express your faith through believer's baptism? Yes. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna get her in quick, cause this is cold. All right. So come on in, Jesse. Have a seat on there. You come on over this. We got a towel around here too. Somebody, perfect. You hand that over here to Tom and Dad. If you help her get out, you want to sit on that real quick. <laughs> it is cold. Yes, it is. All right, we'll do this quick. All right. Remember, grab your grab your nose real quick. Jesse, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's all—it's like a combination baptism, polar bear pledge. Let's get her. We can get her into the back and go ahead and get her clothes changed out. Thank you, guys. Also, uh, Colby, if you would come on up here. Yes, everybody. This is Colby Johnson. I'm gonna tell you. Uh, tell you a little bit about Colby and his, what's going on in his life. About a year ago, maybe a little less than a year ago, Colby's been coming to our, our youth ministry for a long time and church here and helping out with the kids. And about nine months ago, we were having a, something at youth, and he said, he, he said, can I talk to you afterwards? And we were talking, and he were, we were talking about baptism. And he had some understanding, but as we talked about it, the cobwebs were there and he didn't completely understand the symbolic nature of that, and he wasn't sure if he had placed his faith in Christ and, and, and all that kind of stuff. About three weeks ago, I got a message from his mom said Colby wants to talk to you about this again. And we sat down, and i to tell you something. He's confident. He's, he's nervous a little bit today, but he was super confident that day we talked about it. He's like, Matt, I get it. This is a symbol of a new faith, and I understand what this is. I'm saying, I'm, I'm 15 years old. I know that because he just got his permit, okay? Uh, <laughs> he's 15 years old. He knows that he's got the rest of his life, but he knows he has trusted Christ and wants to follow him for the rest of his life in discipleship, and this is the next step. And he's nervous about it today because he's having to stand in front of all you people, but he is here today to show and express his faith in Jesus Christ. Colby, did I tell that story right? And are you ready today to, in front of all these people jump in this cold water and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus? All right, well, let's come on. <laughs> All right, you ready? <laughs> Grab your nose there. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all right. We got you most of the way. There we go. <clears throat> what an awesome day to be together. i got one more announcement for you as we're about to close out. Next week is our Lottiman Christmas offering. Our goal is $1,000. All this goes to make Jesus known throughout the nations. Every cent that we give goes directly to the mission field and the people around the world to make Jesus known. So that's next week. Love you do that. Also, we do an essential giveaway. Uh, We have a food ministry here, feed about 30 families every, you know, twice a month. Every month, and so we are getting some essential boxes together. We need stuff like toiletries and um, laundry stuff. There's lists of it that we need in the back or on Facebook. Check that out and bring those next week. We're packing those essential boxes. Plus, next week is so action-packed. Why would you want to miss it? Our kids are going to be doing a little something up in here, and it's going to be super cute. Have you seen the kids that we have? They're super cute. Okay, and it's going to be a really good thing. If you will, we're going to stand and be dismissed with these words. John 20:21 20, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me even so I'm sending you go on mission you're dismissed